Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Kiva Slade. Welcome, Kiva. Hey there, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about your practice and how you got it started? Sure, no problem. So yeah, I am the owner of the 516 Collaborative, and we really just love to help other businesses and service providers who really deliver marketing-related services to their clients just to help them show their their worth, as they like to say, and just also that client proof. So we really focus a lot on helping clients harness data in order to make better decisions in their business, especially marketing data. And so how I got started is such a nonlinear journey, I guess, for so many of us. But really, I spent about 20 years pretty much probably homeschooling my kids. And um, that was after leaving corporate America, having worked on Capitol Hill. And it was like, I knew I didn't want to go back to politics. So I kind of knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And was talking with friends and they were like, online this and virtual that. And I really felt like I had been living like under a rock. I was like, people are doing what? And they're getting paid online to do these things with people in different locations. Where have I been? And so literally just really three years ago, actually this month in October, um, jumped out there and put out my virtual, you know, shingle, so to speak, and started really with some a more virtual assistant, I feel like task and things of that sort, which quickly just changed into, you know, director of operations and really taking on and harnessing the skills that I already had in place. And so it's just been an amazing ride and journey. And I think for women um, and men, but I really think with women, entrepreneurship just opens up some doors that may not always be open and helps you craft a a life that still works for you. Because I still had kids at home in the beginning. Um, They were in dual enrollment in college courses and now they're in college. But so it still gives me that flexibility of, hey, it's family weekend. Guess who's coming to town? Mom, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, okay, this really still gives that flexibility to um, be available for my family, but also still, you know, do my own thing and serve others. Awesome. I, uh, I I definitely can speak to the benefits of this small business ownership. Um, but uh, one, one of the things that really is curious to me is how did you make the jump from uh, that operations focus into the analytics space? You know, I feel like I've always been a... Um... I'll just say it. I'm an inner nerd. Okay. I don't know if it's just like my inner or outer, but I've always been fascinated with things of that sort. Um, from high school, I was selected in um where I grew up in New Jersey was before the baby bells kind of all broke up, there was Bell Labs. And so then that became AT&T. So there was a large cohort of engineers and I was in a program on Saturdays from 8 to 12, every Saturday from ninth grade to 12th grade, where they were exposing us to electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, civil engineering, and math courses. Like this was fun and exciting on a Saturday for a teenager. And we did that for four years. Um, 
And I, at that point, though, I loved engineering and building circuit boards and so many other things. But I was just like, oh, I still have to love for politics. So I was like, I'm still going to go major in political science. Um, and then, though, it just continued even in grad school, um, geographical information systems, like using mapping and using the data from the census to really figure out where do resources need to go in communities? Like, are they being utilized well? And so for me, it's always that thing of, are we making the best decisions with the information that we have available? And I think in many instances with businesses, we go in, we have this passion, we are, and we find out like we're really good at something, you know, whether that's marketing or um, operations or something else, and you're passionate about it. You might be the excellent in HR. And it's just like that's fuels you for such a good part of the beginning of the journey. But at some point, being a consultant, being an entrepreneur, you have to start realizing there's those other parts of the business you have to take care of in terms of getting your own self out there. What does that look like? Where do you do that? And where is giving you the best return on investment? And I think that that's the part that we may not do as good a job of utilizing that information as we do other parts that seem a lot more tangible and easy. Um, for a lot of entrepreneurs now, it's like, oh, I need to be on Instagram and do reels or TikTok. And if you watch some of those, sometimes they can be informative. They can also be entertaining. They can also be cringy because there's just this level of I don't know, like your kids are probably looking saying, I wish my mom wouldn't do that. Or I wish my dad wouldn't do that. And so it's that, is that actually your platform? Is that where your people are? Is that where your clients are coming to your website? What is driving people to your website? And so really helping people think about, we can make better, more strategic decisions and unless I don't know, maybe there's some listeners that have money trees in the backyard and they're like, I can throw all the money I want at marketing. It's okay. And you have a never ending supply. The reality is for most of us, we don't. And we really need to be wise about where we're investing our money and what return on investment we are actually receiving for that. And so really that was my whole impetus is like going back to my own roots of curiosity and understanding and learning and being like, hey, what what are we missing in this picture? And there's always, I feel, something else that the data tells us that we're not, if you're not looking at it, of course, it can't tell you anything. But when you do start to delve into it, you start to see, wow, there maybe are some patterns or there's some things that are happening on a consistent basis where you can start to say, hey, you know what? Every November, I wind up with X amount of extra, you know, discovery calls. So I need to make sure that I have like the bandwidth in my, you know, my calendar and my schedule to make sure that I'm ready for that because that has happened for me for the last two years. And maybe you're in a business that people need to use up that end of the year money. And so that come November, they're like, who can I get in the, on the book so that we have that money used up? But if you're not focused on that, you might actually miss out on some opportunities because you haven't paid attention to those numbers. So it's just my my inner nerdy side coming out that I really want to use to help business owners just really utilize their their time better, but also their resources better. That's super interesting, and I'm 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 delighted to hear you uh, uh, take uh, a, a solid engineering background and turn it into a continuous process improvement sort of space. 
in an environment where a lot of folks don't quite see that as a thing, right? How many how many engineers do you have you met in the marketing space in general? <laughs> Not many at did, all. <laughs> did you have to get the horn on your head removed? That you know after <laughs> after they found the unicorn, were they like, oh no, we. We got to take that horn off so you can get back to work. (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, it's I feel like those. um, Yeah, almost like the way we were like naturally wired, you know, and those things that we just have always been drawn to, um, you know, to give my age away. Probably I can remember in grad school putting together our first bulletin board system. And it's just like getting into the tech behind that and actually having to know hex codes by numbers. Like, you know, like you couldn't just say you wanted a certain color and look it up. Like you had to have like the chart and put it in there. So I feel like those things that naturally inspired us or drew us to certain things, like they come back to us and it's just whether or not we're kind of open to going back into that part of ourselves. And so, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, given given that that connecting point, how did you reposition your clients? Because you started in a more of an operations focus. How did you reposition your clients with this new sort of offering in mind? What did What did you do to make that work? Really, I really started with some of my operations clients. Honestly, they were coaches, oftentimes launching things. And so really putting, you know, Google Analytics to work for them and showing them value behind things like using UTM links. So we know that, hey, Instagram is doing a great job of sending people to this landing page. However, everyone who's purchased has been through our email list, you know, and it's like, what? (laughs) And you're like, yeah, that's what's going on. So really starting to show them visually through, you know, um, dashboards and Google Data Studio to just put it all together and say, this is the funnel performance, you know, to start to look at what's taking place in that funnel. And it really started to open their eyes because a lot of times we do make decisions based on what we think is going on in our business. And in in many cases, some of us have a very good gut or intuition and we have made some amazing choices that have gotten us to where we are. But I really think to move forward, there's going to need to, you know, have more information that is factored into that gut and intuition and that the two can actually work together. And so really starting with my operations clients, I just started showing them the things that were taking place. What was going on with emails that were going out? What were our open rates? What were our click-through rates? Certain emails totally tanked. Why did these emails tank when we start looking into them, you know, and we found out like in one client, like, emails that had like more than three additional links, people were like, "Mm, I'm done. And like, they would not want to go delving any further. Like, well, it was probably some confusion. Like you've given me five other things to look at. What, what, what is it that you want me to focus on? And so really showing them how also people flowed through their funnel, what SEO was driving people to their website, which really can be um, an opening for additional content that you can put out. It can also be an opening for maybe a lead magnet, maybe a course, maybe a webinar or something that draws in people because they're typing something and that they're still looking for. They're getting dr- driven to your site and it's still not answering maybe their full question. So looking back at to what that question was, it was like, oh, maybe there's something else that you can build off of, off of what you already have. 
in order to answer that question and convert more of those, you know, leads into actual sales. So I really just worked with the clients that I had and started showing them what they, in many instances, had access to in the sense of they had Google Analytics on their website. It's just that nobody was actually paying attention to it. So starting with where I was and who I was already working with, I found to be really helpful. Um, and and you probably had this experience. I think for a lot of folks, the issue isn't um, not enough data, it's too much and how to interpret that and tell the right story. So you, you, you've you become in many ways like a data whisperer, right? Trying to tell the story back to your clients about what's going on in their world. How, how many times have you told stories that the clients don't believe even with the data? <laughs> oh, way too many. And it's so funny you asked that. Just yesterday, I saw a cartoon that said, it was it was a drawing and it had like you could see like a pie chart, a bar chart, you know, a line graph. And it was like, well, you know, the data doesn't support that, but I'm just the data consultant. So okay. You know, and it's just really it it is often a uphill battle for some to actually separate themselves from again, some of the things that they may feel more passionate about in order to look at the numbers for what the numbers are. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, numbers, they don't have feelings. They <laughs> they are what they are and they show what they show, but it is often difficult for some clients. And I think it's more in the beginning. Once I started to continue to show them, they actually started making changes and started to think through you know, on the front end, how is that landing page going to be designed? Because we have seen where if I put the video here, people aren't coming scrolling down that far. And it's just like, oh, you were paying attention when I was talking. <laughs> it's like that moment you have like a little skip on the inside. You're like, Yippee! and then you just keep going on with the rest of the day. But it can be a challenge because it may not always support what we have crafted in our minds as to what is actually taking place. But the numbers are the numbers and the charts are only visuals, like visualizations of the numbers. So it's the story is the story. As, as entrepreneurs and startup folks, you're running in many ways on a combination of raw ambition and confidence and and that leads to when you're when you're even moderately successful at that point, then you think, well, that got me that got me here, right? It's continuing to work, and and what what I'm hearing and and what I've seen, of course, in my practice as well, is when confronted with the data, it gets very difficult to then reconcile. Like, okay, maybe my gut carried me so far, um, and maybe I need to make a transition from a to a different decision making style. Um, how much of the, the, the work that you're doing is, is a coaching on how to do that? It's a lot of that. <laughs> there is a whole lot of that because it really does get to a point where your business, you have to evolve as a leader. And in that evolution, there will be times when you have to make decisions based on a dis different decision model, or you might have more of a leadership team where you're bringing in people who in all honesty, really do know more than you know about this particular area of the business. And as a result of that, that means that you start to have to have more 
coalitions, or you might have to uh, take in more, you know, opinions as you might consider them to be versus like, Hey, I've made the decision. Let's move forward. Now it, it becomes that push pull where you're saying, and you have to ask the coaching related questions of, you know, Hey, we brought in Sally to handle marketing and she has suggested yada, 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 based on this, like, how do you feel that this is going to work based on something else that you're going to have going on and really starting to have people understand also in the decision, when you get started, everything is let's go, let's go, let's go. And you start to realize that maybe your sales cycle is a little longer than you thought it was. And therefore, you might need more runway for whatever it is that you're launching or the next iteration of something that you're doing. And that's when that that information comes in handy. And it's like, wait, now I have to change how I've been running my business. And you have to explain like, yes, you do, but it's not a major change. We're just really trying to accommodate what really is our sales cycle. And in order for us to have the best results on this, we're going to need more time. The team is going to need more time um, in order to just make those things come to reality. And there's a lot of of coaching that even takes place in all of that because there is a shift in mindset as to how you approach your business, how you approach your leadership role, and how open you are to those thoughts, opinions that may also sometimes be contrary to what you want to have done. In finding, I feel, that special spot where you realize that the people you have placed around you, that their questions are not saying like your idea sucks. Their questions are really designed to make sure that all the pieces are considered, all the different, you know, everything can come together well, including what the team is going to have to do to make this vision come to reality. And so separating some of yourself basically from that this is no longer just my baby, like that commercial with the the mom and she wants the PhD for the first child, like the car mechanic can babysit the second kid. It's almost like that you step away from that extra, extra mothering of the business and step really more into your role as a CEO and a leader. And that is a transition that has to happen in order for that continued growth to to happen. Super insightful. Um, I'm dealing with like I'm, I'm reflecting on that as you're saying that, and it's like I've seen that I've seen that transition take place. And when it does, what what one of the things that I think is really interesting is that the data stops. Uh, the, the the data starts to be a tool um, that everyone gets behind. It uses, it becomes a unifying tool and not a uh, a blunt force trauma to beat the heck out of the C-suite who uh, we're starting to get stuff wrong or uh, we're working on sort of sheer force of will alone. I think um, as folks make that transition, there's a whole kind of continuum or life cycle that that the business leadership goes through when they get access to better quality data. And so from your experience, as folks make that transition, what are the major kind of milestones? Like how what are what are the major like points where you go? Okay, I can tell where you are in your journey based on how you think about the data in this way versus this way versus this way. 
Oh, that's a really good question. There's, you know, you know where they are in the journey when there's total resistance to everything. That's the beginning part of the journey. <laughs> um, you know, because people say, I want data, I want data, I want information. We live in an information age. And then you give them the information. They're like, I don't like information. Information oh, is just bad. Yeah. So you can definitely tell like that point you're like, okay, so yeah, we're still on baby food. We're so not ready for this at this particular point. Um, when there is that openness to have a discussion around it and that, okay, I, I want to see what you're showing me. I want to understand better what you're showing me. That to me is when the turning point starts to happen because at that point they're starting to realize that, you know what? I don't know everything. There is information out there that I probably should be looking at and I'm no longer going to keep these blinders on. I'm going to step into this and and, and roll up my sleeves and figure out what I'm not, what I'm not seeing. And so that's a really good turning point. I feel like the next milestone after that is once those like monthly review meetings are happening and they're actually looking forward to it. And they've actually reviewed the data before they've reviewed your reports before you even come into the meeting. And they're like, so I'm excited for this meeting. And I have a few questions because I saw that this happened and you're like, say what? Okay. I look at you, (laughs) you know, and that's that stage where you're just like, wow, they really are embracing the information and really do see it as a tool and something that is going to drive momentum, drive the business forward. And then I think the next step after that, or the next milestone is really when it's it just becomes a part of the business. It is just not just the CEO and you as like the the data consultant, data analyst who's having these conversations. It's when others in the leadership team and the information is actually filtered down to others in the business. And everybody is on the same page as you shared, looking at it as a tool and saying, okay, how do we use this tool to the best of its capabilities? And I feel like at that point, it's become integrated into the business. It is something that everybody is looking forward to. Everyone is looking to use. And as we, as a society, just continue to deal with privacy issues and and just the collection of data, there's so much more that if you're not thinking about measurement and what that entails, like it's no longer just a project in your business. It needs to literally become a department to really understand and have some dedicated energy focus onto what this looks like in our business and who's staying on top of all of this. Because there's a, what, I mean, obviously there's the European Union, but California, Virginia, Utah, and I think Colorado all have new bills coming out next year around data and privacy that we all have to pay attention to and have some sort of understanding of. So I really think that the sooner we get past that first milestone of, I don't want to see it. It doesn't matter to me. I've been doing good. The better off we'll be as we continue to head into the future. Eva, we're wrapping up our time here today, and I want to ask you real quick um, a, a couple couple good questions. Uh, maybe they're quick, maybe they're not, but you, you never know. Um, who should reach out to you? It sounds like you've got uh, you've got a, a a wonderful offering and a wonderful wonderful practice. Um, but who are the kind of folks that really uh, should reach out to you if they want to learn more? 
Yeah, definitely. B2B providers, especially service providers in the marketing area, I feel like those are the people who, in many instances, they get a, such a quicker return on that work because in many cases, that's the work they're providing to clients and clients are looking to them for some additional insights. And so those are the people that really do well to turn that around super quick. I think also just I'm always open to conversations with those who want to understand how do I use this better in my in my world, <laughs> in my business. Um, I really think that for some smaller enterprises that you know, Google has said July 1st, 2023, which I believe is like in 268 days or something like that, they're no longer going to report, you know, to Universal Analytics. You don't want to be that. You're no longer an early adopter. Let's just get that out of the way, you know, but you also don't want to be the caboose who next June is like, oh, snap, they were serious about that. Oh my goodness, you know, because there is no, there's no quick, easy way to get your information out of universal analytics. And so you want to start feeding Google Analytics for now, technically three months ago, you know, but you want to start having something in there and it's not, it's not set up the same. It is literally an entirely new animal and beast and it really needs thought being given to you, how it is set up and how it is designed. And so those business owners who are like, um, GA4, nope, don't have that. Let's talk because you really do need to have that and you should want to have that. Um, I see a lot of websites where Google Analytics 3 is on there, but there's nothing else happening. And you want to better understand your customer journey. What is What do they do when they're on your website? so that you can make that experience better. And obviously that could lead to more sales, which is what I think we're all looking to have in our life because it increases our impact, whether through the services we provide or through what we do with those funds that we make, so. And uh, last question, in your journey, uh, I'm sure you've learned more than three things, but what were the three most noteworthy uh, uh, discoveries that you made in your journey? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say the first is to be yourself. People are doing business with businesses, but you are the business in many instances if you're a consultant. And so be who you are. Show the quirky sides of your personality. People will resonate with that and other people will be repelled by it. And that's okay. Um, I think yesterday was National Taco Day recently or something. So you're not a taco. You can't please everyone. And that's okay. Come to terms with that. Uh, the second thing I would say is continue to invest in yourself. There's a lot that is changing. There's a lot that happens. And I think that the more that you continue to invest in yourself, the more, the higher level that you can serve your clients and others. And lastly, make friends. Like this is so not like middle school, like who sits with who. Really get to know people, you know, take your LinkedIn connections offline, have coffee chats. I know that life is busy and I'm not saying fill your calendar with them so that you don't have time for work, but really get to know people. I feel that when we do that, there's 
just a lot of magic that takes place because we find that we have these amazing connections with people and we have amazing stories to tell. And your content may not always get to those people, but when you have those actual calls with them, you get to know them and they get to know you. And so that would be my third thing. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute delight. And uh, as you learn more, we definitely want to have you back to hear more. Thank you so much, Brian. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-A-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.